This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell Larry you heard about it on this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with DJ Hansen from the inside of what is this 38 foot, 40 foot? Yeah, technically, I think uh, they call it their 33 foot, but hey, we did some redesigning, added okay. an outback bracket. So, yeah, it's 38 foot long. 38 foot long landing craft. Uh, is this where, where, custom built out of Wrangell? No, custom built right here. Oh, I should have known. Craig Alaska, you should have known. known. Yeah. I should have known that. This yeah. is a two and a half year uh, uh, labor of love right here. Wow. <laughs> Dang, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. So, uh, DJ Hansen owns, um, is it DJ's Rentals? Yeah, DJ's now, now, I think we're in the third phase, DJ's Alaska Adventure Rentals. Okay, okay good. <laughs> formerly Hollis. For, formerly Rentals. Hollis, yeah. okay. Um, former basketball coach, girls basketball coach, Craig High School, one or two state championships? One state championship. And that was when you had five players and oh. a Chinese exchange student? Yeah, yeah, that is the truth. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah perfect. Was... And... If I recall, you pressed the entire game with five players. We did. Okay, yep. good, good. Okay. Uh, graduated Craig High School. Uh, you were the same age as my brother, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, you're senior. Yeah, yeah, that was the regions my freshman year um, when you were a senior, when we had one of our starters break their leg during pregame warm-ups. You did. <laughs> was, we won't even talk about the end of that game. Um, and um, you're born and raised here? Yes, yeah, okay. I was, yeah, of course, born in Ketchikan, yeah, but yeah, I've yeah. been on the island since '76. Uh, so. Okay, nice. Yeah, nice. Um, so I want to actually start with the, the basketball thing a little bit. Be we were just talking off air about how important it is to be a part of the community in small communities. Um, when you were in high school, and as I was in high school too, Craig was like the fastest growing city per capita in Alaska, but still pretty small. Um, Cloak, very small. So you have these small communities. If you aren't part of it, then it can be a very lonely, isolated place. Um, so what value has there been for you to grow up in such a place and then want to call that home as an adult? Boy, you know, the value is is the small community. You know, it's a double-edged sword, right? <clears throat> in a small community, there are people that know you very well, so you can get a lot of support. But then there are people that know you very well. <laughs> and sometimes it can seem daunting because, you know, you know, in a small community, everybody waves. Everybody does those things. And then when somebody doesn't wave or, you oh, know, yeah. or somebody, you know, it, uh, it uh, can just go sharply the other way. But, you know, I knew at a young age that I wanted to raise my family here because of all the support we had uh, growing up here, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, life was great, right? You, you had good friends. Uh, the community was great. It, the school system was especially mm-hmm. outstanding to me. And mm-hmm. I knew I wanted my kids to have that same experience. I mean, the ability to have teachers that really cared, you know, and 
in Craig and Kowak, we both had that longevity of teachers that, yeah. I mean, there was a core of teachers that were there forever. So the ability to be, you know, to think, man, the people that taught me are going to teach my kids mm-hmm. it was was awesome. Yeah. So, and I knew I wanted to have our family be here. The values, you know, the people, uh, the security. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. It can be kind of a lonely place. At the same time, you have... Craig and Kloak as being places of great opportunity for entrepreneurs, but at the same time, kind of almost a, an isolated nowhere for others. Um, so how do you, how do you gauge the opportunity? How do you make the most of these opportunities in these small communities? Because there's some people who just can't get out. They didn't leave. You know, we've seen some of our former classmates who unfortunately because of circumstances or whatever, haven't been able to have the same experience as adults. So how do you make the most of, of that and find these entrepreneurial type um, opportunities? I, you know, I, that's really hard to, to, to talk about where someone else is coming from, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, from my own experience, I'm, how, how I got a lot of these opportunities is self, the self-motivation I had. I mean, you... You, you would be surprised what motivates some people, you know. So, uh, and I never, uh, one of the things that I was really blessed, I think, to have is I never in my life wanted to be like somebody else. Mm. I never looked out and said, hey, I want to be as rich as this guy or, hey, mm-hmm. I want to be as successful as this guy. I just wanted to be me. Yeah. I wanted to push myself as far as I could push myself and, you know, and, and hope something good happens. Now, do did I get opportunities that other people um, may not get? I, in all honesty, if they, anybody could have what I have if mm-hmm. they wanted it. I, I come from, you know, not nowhere, but I, in the trenches, you know, I just, we, Ann and I started having kids. My wife and I started having kids pretty young. So I had to get motivated real Mm -hmm. quick. Yeah. So, and I think everybody has that point where they get to choose, right? And I know everybody didn't grow up the same way. My parents were very supportive. So I had very supportive parents and, and I got to see hard work firsthand mm-hmm. you know so my dad grew up in the logging industry here i mean he was logging since he was 14 years old so he worked hard and mm-hmm. my mom especially was was a very hard worker too and you know so i got to see that growing up and that you know in my in our household if you didn't work then <laughs> yeah. you weren't pulling your load so yeah you know so you know, but, but I got a lot of opportunities. They gave me a lot of opportunities outside of that, you know, especially with basketball, mm-hmm. you know, and traveling and doing those types of things, which was awesome. Yeah. So how uh, difficult was it to step away from coaching basketball? Because I know you put a lot of time and effort into, into it and small communities rely on people to step up. And then there can be this feeling of guilt when you do step away because, well, you've done this for so long. And what about this group? My kid's a, a freshman or, you know, just four more years or just three more years. And the last year that I was an assistant coach uh, for Kelly over in, in, in Ketchikan, there was going to be a great group of seniors and a great group of freshmen. There's no perfect time to step away from it. So how do you make that decision, be at peace with it, and not feel guilted by people who maybe want you to hang on longer? You know what? I I probably would have 
retired four times over if I wasn't such a people pleaser. I'm telling you right now, man, the guilt is something else. And I'm, I'm driven. I, that, you know, the one thing I'm driven by is anxiety. And my anxiety is that I, that if I don't please somebody, I mean, that's been my life. My, my drive in life is the anxiety that I could disappoint somebody. Mm -hmm. Really, that's got me to where I am today. That, that, whole thing so yeah step choosing a time to step away like you said i mean every year there's a potential for the greatness you know and that's what but but that's what i loved about basketball in general right it didn't matter the beginning of the year didn't matter to me it was that potential in those kids you know Mm -hmm. to try to ring out the greatest potential in the group you had in the time you had them that that's all i looked forward to so and i've had so many great groups of kids and you know i get to see those kids you know being very successful in life now which makes me happy Mm -hmm. you know regardless of if if i was a big impact or a little impact Mm -hmm. you know it's still fulfilling you know i got to coach two of my daughters you know which in all honesty that in the beginning when i started coaching it was because i seen a program in decline or no, a better would would be uh, never met its potential. I mean, the girls weren't successful at all in Craig from I don't for yeah. forever. So, you know, and I thought, well, I got a daughter. She's going to be there in four or five years. Maybe it's time to, you know, I I didn't know if I, you know, if I'd like it or if I'd even be good at it. And in honesty, my first four five years, I was horrible. <laughs> I and I had. My coach in high school, Jerry Carter, he he told me, one time he told me, he says, you know, as a coach, he said, you get four years. After four years, those kids are yours. If if you're not successful, maybe you shouldn't be a coach. Mm-hmm. So year four, sure enough, I think we went yeah, like two and 18. And I told Ann... <laughs> My wife, I was like, well, I guess I'm just not meant to be a coach because, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not producing any kind of results. And, and she said, you know, you should give it one more year. You've been putting in a lot of work. And so it seemed like year five, I made us, but I made a hard change in year four. I was, you know, when you're young and in coaching, like I said, and you're a people pleaser, you think you need to be friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, when you can turn the corner and say, you know what, I don't need to be these kids' friend. Right. You know, you need to be a mentor, somebody that they can look up to and and push them down the right path and teach them the right way. When I made that decision, I I didn't become a better coach because I don't think I was ever a very good coach, but but i'm i'm great at looking at people's potential and getting the most out of it mm-hmm. that's what i'm really good at so mm-hmm. i was able after that to see these kids for who they were and then push them in the direction to get the most mm-hmm. potential out of them and and push them to do their best yeah. and w- once i learned how to do that you know the the program became very successful and and also you know you have to have people behind you you have to have parents behind you you have to have your family behind you You have to a lot of things have to go on to to do that so i mean it was 
it was a, definitely a highlight. I love coaching. I still, today, I miss coaching, you know. Yeah. Like, I yeah. could, I can see the struggle in kids' eyes, and I can, you know, you know you can help. But, you know, eventually you have to, it's, it's I don't want to say it's a, it's not a young person's game, but it's a person that's more motivated than I am, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it's a, you, you have to spend, you know, nine months a year doing that yeah. to be successful. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely become a year-round thing. Yeah. Yep. That uh, finding the individual drive or the individuality in that person is so important in teaching, too. And I think being in the small communities where you have smaller classes, you have these teachers who saw that, okay, this person's not going to go off to college. They're going to be just fine here crushing it, working at, you know, at Tyler or being a charter fisherman or being a commercial fisherman. And it was nice to be able to see and have teachers who understood that and could hold you accountable individually outside of that. So rather than you're at a massive school of 1800 and you know, you, you know, one teacher for one year and then you get a whole new set of teachers the next year. It's nice to have that consistency. Like you, like you said before and coaching is and teaching, it's the same thing. It's not about X's and O's as much as getting the kid motivated enough to do that and seeing that. And it's nice to be in a community that values that and supports that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. We've had great support for that, you know. And and you're seeing it's it's it got we got to a point where it got a little bit of t- tougher for these kids. You could see they were coming out of high school and maybe flailing a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. And but now, you know, it seems like we've turned a corner. And I don't know if that's because you're seeing, you know, the labor market really decline, you know, mm-hmm. especially in you know high-end jobs, electricians and plumbers and those types of things, you know, now kids have a good opportunity to come right out of high school, you know, and apprentice in a lot of these programs where they, you know, they're earning great money right out of school and, and then can, you know, start moving on with life at a, at a faster pace, because that is the one thing you see, you do, you know, it's important to think about that people are in a stale place in their life. You know, especially the people we see, some of the people we see that we went to high school with now. And I think a lot of that is that transfer from school to the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't if you don't get out on a pace, you know, a, a, a little bit of a, I don't want to say you have to sprint out of the block, but you have to be, you know, you have to come out at a little bit of a pace or you're going to be behind, yeah. you know, and then you're, and then you're looking around you and the way people are now, especially with social media, they're always chasing something. Yeah. So if you don't come out with a little bit of pace now, you you get down on yourself because you're not where X and O is and you get to see this person doing that and, you know, you think you're – but, you know, there's something there. Just yeah. find it, you know. Yeah. There is. There's so many opportunities here and we're seeing a lot more just – um economically, if you go out and you get and leverage some level of education to be able to come back and make the most of that, go to a two-year or go to a nine-month apprenticeship program or something like that. And around here, there's so many people who are able to apprentice and even have, you know, John Rowan have people with Carve with him. We're at a time in our culture now where you can make a living as a, as a, a native artist. I mean, there's oh. so many opportunities um, for that and just connecting people with that value. Outside of logging was kind of the big thing. You talked about your dad being a logger and that's one of the major differences I've seen since I was in high school and growing up where it was, you know, logging communities. Thornberry was a logging community. Kaufman Cove, logging community. Then Kloak and Craig were uh, definitely impacted by that too. And so when logging declined quite a bit, 
people had to kind of pivot to new new things. So how do you how would you compare the economic opportunities now uh, to when you were growing up or in high school? Well, that that yeah, we talk about that all the time with the the buddies, you know, the group of us, because when we all got out of high school. You know, it's like you're right, a passage, right? Most of us either did what our dads had done before as a summer job or, you know, or for a couple years, me for uh, example, you know, I went off to school. Well, but every summer I'd come back and I'd go out and work in the woods. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd go set chokers for (laughs) that's, you know, that's how I paid for school. So, you know, uh, and we were doing that for 13, I think I made like 13 bucks an hour. Well, now kids can get out of high school and go to work for, you know, AP&T or, you know, as an apprenticeship, you know, and make, you know, 25, 30 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's crazy that uh, that these kids can get out and and have all this opportunity. And we had opportunity, but ours was, you know, on a much smaller scale, you know, I mean, we, there was, there was still a lot, you you could do anything you want to do. When we got out of high school, we could have picked anything we wanted to do, really, if that's what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I just think these kids have a, you know, the it's even broader, you know, the island is, you know, small business is becoming a, you know, a pretty big thing on the island and tourism is becoming a pretty big industry on the island too also, you know, and uh, so we're seeing growth in all those areas, which means growth in, you know, every, every other area because there, I don't care what the state of Alaska says, population decline we've been in, uh, just look at the people that are here in the summer. And most yeah. of these people own homes here. They just don't call themselves residents. Yeah. I mean, this place has more, this island has got to be double, you know. It's crazy. W- yeah, in population. But the, that's not what we're seeing. No. You know, so in, in I don't know what it's going to be, 10 or 15 years, you're going to see this big boom, this big population increase because the people that all own summer homes here are going to retire here. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to say, oh, we're in a population boom. No, no, it's been here. It's been set up, put yeah. in motion long before. Yeah, it's been in motion. So uh, that all creates jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and jobs that you can't really see on paper, you yeah. know, so. Well, it's interesting, too, because it's dispersed throughout Prince of Wales. I was listening to a couple of guys on the ferry talk about their properties in, in Nockatee. And I thought, Nockatee? Nockatee? You know, if someone would have told me that Nockatee would be, you know, a hotbed for uh, for for real estate when I was in high school, I thought, dude, you're crazy. But Nockatee has space and land. You know, Craig, when it was expanding out St. Nick, because that was pretty much where the land was, and now we're seeing that there's, we were talking about this before, there's, there's homes all the way around St. Nick. Um, Cloac has some space, but not a ton. Nockatee has space. Kaufman has space. And it's crazy to hear people talk about it, but that's where those places are being noticed and people are buying homes, like you said, and it's, it'll, it will be interesting to see where this, where this leads. And there's a lot of economic opportunities. Obviously there was a void when it comes to rentals. So how did you decide to go into providing that value or that need rather than say, well, someone else can do it? Oh, you know, that was a real, um, tough call for me because I had a great opportunity. I had owned my own business for about six or seven years in the construction industry and had worked out of Ketchikan and then came back over and worked on Prince of Wales for, you know, another four or five years. And, uh, 
and it was like now hard to find good labor you know help mm-hmm. uh find a hard to find quality people and i <clears throat> and i decided yeah maybe that's and i decided for my body to also even at a young age i was like man maybe this you know if you're doing this in another 15 years it's going to be you know you're going to be you know maybe more worn out than you already are i mean basketball does that to <laughs> oh, us though yeah. so <laughs> i don't I, I don't think i could be any more worn out so I, I got a great opportunity uh, with Tyler Rennell to uh, step in there and go to work. And within a couple of years, I had the opportunity to manage there. And I ended up being there for 13 years. And boy, that uh, gave me some good insight to managing a rental company. Mm-hmm. So after about 13 years of putting in about 2,800 or 3,000 hours a year of work, <laughs> I decided, I, I decided that I, you know what, I needed to take a break. So, you know, I, I, uh, I, uh, quit Tyler rental and I honestly didn't know what I was going to do. I had just, I had just finished building my landing craft. I, I had a little bit of opportunity there, but I, you know, I honestly was just like, I need to spend more time with my kids and my family. So, I I decided to step away and and uh and a good friend of mine Darren who owned Hollis Adventure Rentals within 2 days <laughs> said, "Hey, I heard that you are taking a break." He said, "You know, would you be interested in running the car rental business?" And I instantly said, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> because we had rented vehicles at Tyler Rental and it was one of my least favorite things to do just because you're on a remote island. Mm-hmm. People are using this equipment in a way that, you know, I mean, they're hunting, they're fishing, mm-hmm. they're doing all the things we love to do. On logging roads. We, on yeah, logging yeah. roads with oh, alder everywhere. Yeah. Everything's overgrown. I mean, those th- every rig we had was pinstriped. I was like, oh, this would just be, no, I just can't. <laughs> it's, it'd be too much. So I was like, nah, I don't think so. And, you know, and then I went home and I thought about it and I thought, you know what? Let's do it for a year because maybe it's, you know, so yeah, I, I uh, called Darren up and he said, okay. So I kind of weaned into, you know, uh, managing that. And then within a year, I I had purchased the company and then we started, to, you know, and, and basically it was me and I had some help out of Hollis, Arthur, who was great help. So it was just the two of us doing it for three years. I didn't have the family involved at all. It was mm-hmm. just me and and one other guy and Darren would come in and help me out when I needed it. So, and it was a, it was one heck of an adventure, you know, I mean, I, and I had a lot of fun, but what I liked about it most is the people. Mm. I met some great people and man, we had so, I mean, so many good people coming here. Uh, and yeah, there's some, there's not so good eggs. Yeah. (laughs) And I could, man, we've got, I've got some stories of some rentals that have gone so wrong. It's not even funny. I think I'm going to write a book after it's all (laughs) over because I've had vehicles shot and I've had all, Oh yeah, I've had all kinds of things. So it, it, there's some great stories, but, but, uh, and so, and again, I'm such a people pleaser that it's one of those things that when you start something like this, and there's such a customer base and a return customer base. Mm-hmm. When I took the business over, there are people that have been renting from him for 10 years. Well, you know, so now you've got those people along with, of course, the the people that now you, 
you have things in common with that now come up. So you create this whole other group that are friends, but renters, you know, so now you have this whole pool of people that you're like, you do not want to let down. So that now that motivates you to keep the keep the rental going. And in my case, it motivates me to grow, right? Because though, you know, the people that you don't want to let down, they're like, well, it'd be nice if you had this, or it'd mm-hmm. be nice if we didn't have to go somewhere for this, or, or there's not this on the island. So me, it doesn't really boil down to like money. Like you want to be able to make money doing stuff, you, have to, you know, yeah. you, you, right. You have to, to, to keep it going. But sometimes, you know, you have to do things just to, you know, add it in the mix just right. to keep people happy and, and coming back. So, I mean, that's been the great part about it. And, and, you know, so, uh, I, I think that's the Tyler rental thing helped me really navigate this real well because I had a vast amount of rental knowledge that was given to me through that company, Randy and Charlie and Tracy, they were, you know, they were, they were great to me. So Mm -hmm. I got to learn an awful lot from them. And, uh, then I got to turn around and, and use it in my own business. And, and I knew one of the reasons why I thought, yeah, I want to do this. When I left Tyler rental, my whole game plan was to work six months a year. I'm going to get a job. I don't care what it is where I work six months a year of, of hard work because I really believe if you have a window in front of you and you just go, yeah, I got to work hard for six months. I'm going to work 14 hours a day for six months. Anything's doable. Mm-hmm. That's the way I've got anything I've, I, I own in my life. It doesn't matter if it's property or, or business. I dig a hole and then I go, I've, all I have to do is work as hard as I possibly can for X amount of time, and then I'll be out of the hole. There you so go. So if, if you can do that, you know, and, and you uh, bet on yourself and know your limitations, you can pretty much accomplish anything. Yeah. So. So you dug yourself a rental hole that you dug out of, and then you decided to dig yourself a boat rental hole, which seems like a, a hole that is a whole new level of issues and problems someone's breakdown or gets a gets a flat tire on the side of the road that's one thing but now you got boat rental so what's the difference and and how has that been a, a unique stress uh renting boats now <laughs> all of it's stressful i mean in all honesty the boat rentals different be you know the uniqueness of our business is we talk to everybody we rent to we don't text everybody we rent to. Oh, we yeah. don't just email everybody we rent to. We try, at least on the first interaction, we try to have a conversation because there is a lot of value in conversation about their knowledge, you know, what what they can and can't do, mm-hmm. what their expectations of Prince of Wales are. Mm-hmm. You know, most people's expectations of Prince of Wales are are zero they just think they can show up here and do all these things yeah you know and the biggest thing is like uh, we have so many people that want to rent from us and they don't even know how to get here Mm. you know so i i mean we're basically we we start from the beginning and pretty much just you know a lot of people we just kind of lead them through the whole how to get here where the options to getting over to the island Mm. and all those things so in the boat rental world that helped because I still talk to everybody before we even rent them a boat. I, I 
get gauge their experience in a mm-hmm. boat, right? So I can tell them what I would let them rent from us. And it, I'm, I'll be honest, you can't just come here and rent something from us. Mm-hmm. You can't get online and just rent something from us. You have to talk to me. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to put somebody in a position where they could, you know, be in danger. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do that. So yeah. with the boat rental thing, it's just being real hands-on. Uh, you know, uh, we talk constantly even after they get here for the rental i meet them at the boats we go over everything and then we we discuss weather and i and i'll look at everything and then i'll text them that night and say here's where you should maybe go or maybe you shouldn't even go out you know Mm -hmm. and i'm i try to be so flexible with that you know we get a lot of people that want to rent for a week you know and so we have a a rental rate for a week but if the weather's bad, mm-hmm. I'm not charging you for a week. I mean, I don't want you out there. I don't want you pushing it thinking, yeah. well, I'm paying for this boat, so we got to be out on the water doing something. What fun is that? Yeah. I mean, and that's just, you know, so there's there those things. And, yeah, we've had boats, you know, we've had people run out of gas out in the middle of anywhere. We've had lower units ripped off the bottom of the boats. We've had all kinds of things. But in all honesty, when I – was building this landing craft and then we started talking about the car rental business i had already they had he had a skiff you know but i was already thinking in my mind about expanding and then thought this landing craft would be great support for a boat Mm. rental business so i can pretty much go out and you know pick anybody up drop anything off and do those types of things so yeah, the and and the landing craft has turned into one heck of a blessing for us. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's some of the things that people don't know about. You know, if they check the weather, like this weekend's supposed to be super super nice and sunny and beautiful, but out on the water could be a totally different experience because a lot of times you get that north wind, which is why it's clear and sunny. So oh, if you're if you're trying to go out for a couple of days, and you're trying to anchor, I mean, you think, well, this is a heavy anchor. All I have to do is get it on the bottom, and I'm going to be fine. But then you get your tide swing, you get a a change in 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 wind and you're dragging anchor or you're going up on i mean there's a lot of other things that go into it too that uh people might not know and you don't want to intimidate them but at least you know know what's going on so you can really enjoy the experience yeah you have to be pretty thorough we get a lot of people that go out and camp i mean uh, uh i mean we basically serve the the adventurer slash self-guided you know uh, core group. I'm, most of our people all come here, you know, gung ho, and they're going to do it themselves, mm-hmm. you know. So, and, and we really cater to that. For I mean, everything we have is is built towards the, that group of people because that that's the group of people I relate with. Mm-hmm. When I go somewhere, I don't. I you know, I mean, it's it's nice to go out and do it the you know, I'm not easy way. And, and I certainly suggest that every one of the people that come here and want to be in a boat, maybe even go out with a guide for a day because you can get a lot of useful information doing that. But, but I tend to kind of lean towards the, just go out and wing it scenario. Right. And if, and if it works out, it's even better because you're doing it yourself. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't, then you've learned lessons. So yeah, tide swings here are one of the things that most people just do not grasp. They just can't grasp that we could have 17 foot mm-hmm. of difference. And to explain that to them, especially to people that are, you know, the bear hunters that are going to the beach, mm-hmm. and we've had lots of boats go dry. Yeah. I mean, and I'm <laughs> and you know, and I'm just up front. If you let a boat go dry, you're going to be there for 
12 to yeah. 14 hours waiting for the yeah. boat to float again. Yeah. You're not going to move the boat. <laughs> yeah. So so if it goes dry, just make sure that it doesn't go dry on a big rock and roll mm-hmm. over, you yeah. know. So, I mean, there's lots of those things. But we try to set people up with the with the the best scenario. So failure it is minimized, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, we have anchor systems and do lots of different things to to try to mitigate those types of situations, but they happen. Like I said, I've had uh, you know lower units ripped off, but I've had boats blow off anchor and beat on a beach all night long too. So I mean, I've had all those things have happened. Yeah. So and that's the thing too that happens to people who've been up here for a long time too. Like it's the wind changes, or you don't get the anchorage right, or you don't get the the hook embedded, and like those sort of things happen to people who've been here the whole lives. Oh, so it's it's. I mean, it's it's Alaska. It's it's that it, sort of stuff happens. It's part of the adventure, and uh, you know, honestly, that's probably Tyler Rennell. the The second biggest thing I learned there was, don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, if you the the problem is, is most people would get in a rental business and think that's their boat. Mm. Right. That is my boat. I want it treated like it's my boat. Yeah. Well, guess what? You know, it's a rental boat. Mm-hmm. You And things are going to happen. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you take it personally, you're not going to be successful in this business. You cannot take damage to vehicles, damage to boats. Mm-hmm. Things happen. I mean, yep, sometimes they shouldn't have happened because... The reason why they happened was stupid, yeah. but they still happened, and yeah. you, you just got to move forward. You know, you just go forward and move on to the next thing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what is the, the next thing? What's the next hole? Oh, I've got three holes going on right now. <laughs> I'm I'm a classic. I don't even fill a hole anymore before I dig another one. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, it's that's crazy. Great. You you see, we I just took you through yeah. our new 1,200-square-foot cabin. It's it's. Uh, you know, it's probably, I would say, 80%. It's about 80% complete right now, hoping to be 100% complete by the end of the year. But but, but 92% complete in two weeks because I've got more people coming. So Nice. <laughs> yeah, we've got more friends. So we're, we're, we're going to get deeper into the self-guiding uh, industry, I think. We've got uh, some bigger boats coming on our horizon we're, we've got a 28-foot North River that we're putting together right now, so that'll be that'll be out there. And then we've got a coffee shop that that we're working on over in Cloac at the airport at our new rental location. So, it, if I could just clone myself, it would be <laughs> I would be great because well, you've, you've seen that movie Multiplicity, right? That yeah. did not work out for Michael Keaton. <laughs> no, no, no. And with my wife, it definitely would not work out. So <laughs> I'd probably be kicked to the curb. <laughs> so uh, where? If, Kind of go through the inventory real quick of what you uh, what you offer, what you rent, uh, where can people contact you, and all that stuff. Give the pitch. Uh, perfect, awesome. Uh, yeah, well, they can. I, I definitely say reach out to us online first. You know, go to our website harentals.com. There is so much great information on there, and w- there's great information about what we do. But we we've got links to cabins, rentals through the Forest Service. We've got links to, you know, the El Cap Caves. A lot of great information is on there that people that are, are not from here or haven't ever been to Prince of Wales will find super useful how to get around, how to get here, do all those things. So I say, you know, get on there and shoot us an email if you have an interest for sure. But 
yeah, call us. I mean, the best way is, like I said, we like to talk to everybody we do business with. So give us a call. Uh, everything's online. Go to HA Rentals. You can see all our phone numbers, all our cell numbers. If you, you, you know, I leave myself number out there and, and I'm kind of back and away from the car rental business a little bit more to focus on the boating into things and the, and the self-guided into things. So, so Ann and Aspen, my, my oldest daughter, they pretty much take care of that, but we have, you know, vehicles boats cabins camping gear kayaks i mean uh geez what else uh side by sides four wheelers i mean we do uh uh we offer um uh, uh freight hauling we we can we offer moving of uh equipment and uh, vehicles we we do vehicle storage out at the airport uh so yeah, long term and short term um boat storage long-term and short-term we do i mean honestly i say just if if you need something on prince of wells just call us if we don't do it we will certainly point you in the direction of the the right person because <laughs> we've been here and and you know we know the the right people to deal with so excellent yeah well, that's a great closer, man. Seems yeah. like you've done that before. <laughs> I've never done that before. So no, no, no. It was it was awesome uh, talking to you. Yeah, sure. thanks. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your your busy day. I saw that you were digging up there, and hopefully the echo in your uh, landing craft ends up uh, being okay. Yeah, should and be fine. If cool. it doesn't, we can always do this again. <laughs> yeah, we'll just copy it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Jeff.